You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. I'd like to start my preach today praying together the Lord's Prayer. I was just sitting there in the middle of worship. I felt, let's, let's do this together. Can I come down a little bit? I'm just a bit conscious of my big voice. Our Father, which art in heaven, all together. I'll start from the beginning. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us as we trespasses, as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Father. Not mine. Not yours, ours. You may be seated this morning. The Lord's Prayer. Good morning, everybody, and uh, good to be here. We're in the middle of a series together. Hello, Martin, Carrie Ann. Good morning, welcome. Good friends of ours from Adelaide, so welcome. Welcome to everybody this morning. We're in the middle of a series uh, called The Church That Jesus Is Building. And I'm so glad about that. I've seen the church that man builds and uh, not that great. But the church that Jesus builds, that's something we want to be part of. And uh, Dave Conlon last week did such an incredible I don't want to say a job, it's not a job to minister, but he brought the heart of the Father and he preached on the church that Jesus is building is to know him and to make him known. And uh, exceptional preach, I'm going to tap into that today. I want to preach on the unstoppable church this morning. Because Jesus says in Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. When I got here today, there was a couple of little roadblocks and a couple of things that happened this morning. And uh, yeah, I was a little bit sharp with somebody and I sent an apology. I hope they got it. But uh, I'm so glad that Jesus is in charge of his church. Amen. And uh, that we are fragile. We hurt one another. We uh, disappoint one another. But there is one who doesn't, and his name is Jesus. Amen. The Unstoppable Church. If you've got your Bibles this morning, I want to uh, preach this morning from 1 Peter chapter 2. A living stone and a holy people. I want to look at three things this morning as you turn to the Word of God. and might come up here on your screen, but I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles to church your physical Bible. Yes, use your iPads and over, but there's something about highlighting your Bible. Amen? I love all my Bibles. I ain't a mess because I love just painting them. So uh, 1 Peter 2, 3. I want to make three points today. The church that Jesus is building is a healthy church. It's a place of repentance. It's a place of redemption, and it's a place of revival. Three things in case you fall asleep. I want you to take with you today. The church that Jesus is building is a place of repentance. It's a place of redemption or restoration. And it's a place of personal and corporate revival. 1 Peter 2. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. 
He leaves it all there, doesn't he? There's room for all of us to repent right there. Come on. Like newborn infants, napios is the Greek word there, long for the pure spiritual milk that by you may grow into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Yeah? Taste and know that God is good. God is good all the time. Even when we have all kind of uh, external and internal um, trials and tribulation, He is good. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by man, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. I love slowing down there. Are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion, the city of David, a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Can I get an amen right there? If we were in America in certain churches, we would get, Preach it, brother! So can you just loosen that tongue this morning and throw some encouragement? Give me a hallelujah. I always wanted to do that. Glory. It's okay to laugh in church, isn't it? I laugh at myself all the time. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. Jesus is a rock of offence. Not you, Not me, Jesus is. We have to be careful to offend people. I offend people quite often, and I have to apologize. Too many offenses in the church. As they say, more than one offense, you start building a fence around you. And a rock of offense, that was a word for somebody this morning, maybe for me. They stumble because they disobey the word of God as they were destined to. But you, Melbourne Lights Church, Adelaide friends, everybody, a royal priesthood, a chosen race, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, aliens, foreigners, away from God, but now you are his people. That's why it's lovely to call each other brothers and sisters, because we are family. I'll stick to preaching. (laughs) Once you had not received mercy, but now at the cross of Jesus, you receive mercy. Beloved. Don't you love his language? Sweetie pies. (laughs) I urge you as a sojourner and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. Stop sinning. That's what it means. Which wage war against your souls. Not good for you. Keep your conduct amongst others outside honourable. That's people in your oikos, people in your world, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. Three things I want to bring to you today. Number one, repentance. I want to start with a story. Over 60 years ago, a young man in his who was about just turned 19, left a war-torn country. He jumped on a ship called the Achilles Lauro and he made his new beginnings and arrived on the shores of Sydney, Australia. 
he arrived on the boat after 30 days at sea. And uh, he stayed in a small little uh, apartment with other migrants. And after he had rested a couple of days, on his second day, he heard about an interesting place in Sydney called King's Cross. If you know anything about King's Cross, it's the most colorful part of Sydney. It's where all the brothels are, ladies and gentlemen. And so he decided as a 19-year-old boy to go and have a little bit of fun at a brothel. So he started walking towards the brothel and he passed a square, El Alaman Square. And he heard this singing. They probably were singing Kumbaya 60 years ago. I have no idea what they were singing. So a bunch of people were singing worship songs. And he thought, oh, I can wait a couple of minutes before I go and do my business at the brothel. And he went and he was mesmerized by the love that came out of this bunch of people on the street, worshiping Jesus and sharing the gospel. This pretty young girl invited him to a service that night. And they all had lunch together at St. Stephen's Presbyterian Church in the city, St. Philip's Presbyterian Church in the middle of Sydney. He said, ah, oh, that shouldn't hurt me too much. And when he went there, the preacher was preaching the gospel on John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him and repents will have eternal life. Then, then, this young 19-year-old got on his knees and gave his life to Jesus. A few years after that, he went to Bible college and he fell in love with the girl who in, that he met that Sunday morning and invited him to church, who incidentally gave a life to Jesus a few years prior at the Billy Graham crusade. They decided to follow Jesus and become missionaries and planted five churches and served the Lord and led thousands of people to Christ because they decided to repent before Jesus. And I stand here today because my dad, at 19 years of age, got off that boat, met my mum, she led him to Christ, never made it to the brothel, but had an encounter with the living God. He repented from his past and gave his life to Jesus. And it says here, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and repent. The church that Jesus is building is full of sinners and saints. We all sin. The Bible says in Romans, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of the Lord. All of us. When you stand before a pure and mighty God, no matter how good you are, how much you come to church, how much you read the Bible, you need to repent. It says daily we need to pick up our cross of repentance. We get offended and offend people. We get upset. We do stupid things. Did you know that? Even as saints, Neil Anderson in Victory Over Darkness says, we are saints that sin. Every day, we got to put on the armor of God. Every day, I need to come and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me, and, and, Lord, and, and I need to forgive others. I need to release others. Repentance. And sin is anything that separates us from a holy God. My dad had an encounter at St. Philip's Church with the living God at 19 years of age. Radically saved. Radically saved. The end of that story says, God, I'll go and serve you anywhere in the world, but please don't send me back to my people. 
back to Italy because they'll reject me. And first thing that God said to him, go back and plant five churches. My dad was the first evangelical in 1960 on the island of Sardinia. The first one. They burnt his door down. They put a gun to his head. These are true stories. Should write a book on that one day. Because a man repented before God. Matthew 4, 17 says this, from the time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Paul puts like this in Romans 2, God's kindness leads you towards repentance. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. The Greek word is the word metanoia. The word metanoia means to turn 360. It means that the Holy Spirit grabs you and he shakes you and he does a rock and roll and he says, stop going to hell. He has no interest of you going to hell. He says, let's go into the kingdom of light, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life. Don't go to the brothel. Come and stop for a minute and listen to Kumbaya. Whoever knew that Kumbaya could help somebody turn to Jesus? I don't know what they sung. But I still have my dad's Bible, his first Bible. I still have it. One day I'll go to my beautiful son's. Repentance. Revelation 3.19 says this. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Means turning around. The church that Jesus is building is that we can come and repent. It's a beautiful thing. Repentance is wonderful. Because at the cross of Jesus, I come as a broken sinner, full of baggage, abused, abuser, bully, bullied, all kind of stuff. And I come to Jesus and I lay it down at the feet of Jesus. It says in, in, in Isaiah 53 that he bore our iniquities. He took your sin. He takes it upon himself. Give it to me. Give it to me. On the cross, he took the sins that you've done and ever will do. And then he said, Tetelestai, it is finished. I will pay it for you. The same Jesus is here today to say, come and repent. Come and turn around. Come and have an encounter with the living God. See, we're not just people who come to church on a Sunday. We're people who come and have an encounter with the living God, with the Holy One of Israel. To repent and change. Daily you must come with humility before God. Because we all sin. You know that? All of us. Even those who think they've got it all together. Mate, we've got a confessional behind there. We'll help you later. It's a joke. We're not a violent church. <laughs> but we do things that we don't want to do, even as Christians. I just love Romans 7. This is Paul. I do not understand what I do. I don't understand it. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate doing, I do do. One would think, mate, you're confused. No. Because it's a process of sanctification. Repentance is coming to Jesus every day. Damn. Did I really say that again to my wife? Did I really get angry again? I thought I dealt with that. Sorry, Jesus. Forgive me. Sorry, Monica. Forgive me. Did I really say that to a saint this morning? Oh, you don't. Repent. God gives grace to the humble and opposes the proud. Repentance is coming to the Lord and says, I don't have it together. The church that Jesus is building in preparation for revival is a pure and spotless bride that will not come and hold on to your pride and prejudice. Stop it. We are people of the cross. We're people of grace. His grace is sufficient for me. Amen. 
I don't go sinning all the day, but I say, Lord, forgive me. We need to put sin to death and live free. So many Christians live in bondage because they don't understand the grace of God, the mercies of God. Romans 6, I love the book of Romans. It's the book of theology in the New Testament. What should we say then? He's almost sarcastic, Paul. There's a bit of, bit of, bit of sarcasm in him. Should we continue to sin so God's kindness can increase? Let's just go and have a good time. Who cares? No. He says this, that is unthinkable. Stop it. Yes, Jesus. Shall I stop now? As sin is concerned, we have died. So we can't still live under the influence of sin. When I come at the cross of Jesus, the cross of Jesus is a door. It's not the final destination. It's a door. Do you understand that? It's a door. I must come through the cross. I must walk through the cross. I leave it at the cross. And now Paul says, no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. We got to live like that. Live full of repentance, full of forgiveness. No longer pride and prejudice. We've got to let it go. We come to the cross. Does that mean that we, everything happens overnight? No, it doesn't. Healing is a process. Abuse is a process. Yeah? Ah, oh, just get over it. That depression of yours, it's nothing. No, it is. That anxiety, it is. But hold my hand. Let's focus on Jesus. He will bring you out of this, the Murray Clay. He will bring you into the pool of Bethesda. He will bring you in the pool when you don't think it's finished at pool or there is no water. He says, will you jump in by faith? Part two. Da, 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 da. See, too many Christians park at the cross. Ah, oh, I'm a miserable, wicked, wretched sinner. You know what I call that? Worm theology. Worm theology. I'm not worthy. No, you're not. Get over yourself. But after you walk through the door, you are a new creation. You've just had a blood transfusion. His DNA for yours. Your rubbish for his holiness. So now I start living redemptively and in restoration. Not arrogance, not pride, but Christ in us, the hope of glory. Daily, it's called sanctification. And he puts it this way, we are being built up as a spiritual house. It's present continuous for all your grammatical whiz kids. I'm transformed and it's always happening every day, every day. Every day I've got a, an opportunity to let the Holy Spirit change me. Oh, I, sorry, Mark, I, I can't change. That's just the way I am. No, you're not. Stop that. You're lying to yourself and you're lying to God. But with the grace of God, I can change. Might be slowly, baby steps. Remember that movie, baby steps? But after a while, I'm gonna start walking and after a while, I'm gonna run as a son. I'm gonna run with fire. I'm gonna run with fire. I'm gonna to say to the devil, get stuffed. I'm gonna run with fire. I'm gonna run with fire. I'm redeemed. I'm not gonna stay in that pit of hell. I'm gonna run with fire. I'm going to change my mouth. I'm going to change it. My anger, I'm going to change it. My, my burst of whatever, I'm going to change it. That's not who I am. You can control it. 
because you have the Holy Spirit. Redemption is about the Holy Spirit renewing me. It said renewing and being built up. It means it's a process. You're a beautiful stone. And I don't mean what we used to do when I was a kid. It's the stone we're being built up in Jesus, the cornerstone. And he's building us up. He's building you up. He disciplines you because he loves you. He's sharpening that stone. He's pruning you because he flippin' loves you. He loves you. And occasionally he might take an elder or leader to say, stop that. We love you too much. That's not the way of Jesus. That's the way of the devil. Why are you looking back? Turn around, metanoia, stop it, repent. I love this eldership team. I love it because we hold each other accountable. Even Mark this morning had a word for us, just an encouragement. So glad that we come together because the ultimate goal is for Jesus to have all the glory. And we redeem and live in restoration. It says we're living stones. I love that. Grace always is redemptive. There's always a second chance. I would not be here today if it wasn't for the grace of God. I've made some yay mistakes, eh? But you know what? I choose to look ahead, not behind me. He's paid the price. And now I'm going to live in the redemptive grace of God. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Would you take hold of that word for a minute? He lives inside of you. It literally inside of me. Not the devil. Not anxiety, not anger, not depression. King of kings, Lord of lords lives inside of you. Three people are happy. I'm working my backside off. I'll say it again. I'll try to say it in English. Jesus lives inside of me. Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Does that mean I don't have a bad day? Oh, yes, we do. But ultimately, all my bad days and all my sin and all my brokenness and everything submit to the cross. I am a new creation and I live by faith. It says here in Galatians 2, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved and gave himself for me. Jesus came off the cross on the third day And the same power that rose Christ from the grave is inside of you. The same power. You have power for forgiveness. You have power for redemption. You know, I don't want to forgive that brother. I don't want to forgive that sister. Yes, you do. You've been forgiven much at the cross. You can't not forgive. Can I say to you this morning, you cannot not, is that grammatically right? You cannot not forgive. Is that tautology? No, no, no. You don't have an option. If you are a son of the living God, you model what he did for you, you forgive quickly. You repent quickly. And you live redemptively. A good friend of mine, a couple of weeks ago, really hurt me. Really hurt me. I'd given so much of my time to this particular person and he just gave me the... the, (laughs) You know what I mean. And I wanted to let him have it. I thought, oh, yeah, baby, come on. I'm going to let him know all the things I did for him and all those emails and phone calls. And the Lord reminded me, really, Paul, really? Really? 
is that what I do to you? And I said, no. So with the same measure you received, you give him. I'm about to call him, and I see this number from wherever it was. Not here in Melbourne. And there's somebody on the other side of the phone said, I've wronged you. I'm sorry, Paul. I had no right to treat you the way I did. Would you forgive me? But the first decision was not his, was mine in my heart to let it go. You want a miracle, but you hold stuff in your heart. You, you want a miracle, but we hold on to our own stuff. Instead of saying, you know what? I'm going to live free. Whom the Son sets free. The, a healthy church is a place of repentance, and it's a place of redemption. I must not park it across. Too many Christians always feel unqualified and disqualified, but we are called to go through the cross and live redemptively. You know what a redemptive life looks like? I'm glad you asked me that this morning. I'm gonna tell you what it means to live in the redemptive grace of God. You live as a new creation. You develop a distaste for sin or habitual sin. You know when you eat something, you go, that was revolting. That's your attitude towards habitual sin. We all sin, but I'm talking about habitual sin. I'm not going to do that. You know why I'm not going to do that? Because that hurts my father's heart. And I'm not going to be separated from him. You're a new creation. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Secondly, you live free. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Freedom, eh? Are you free this morning? You might not be in a prison, but too many people live in an invisible prison of fear and of anxiety. But if God, if God only knew and all this, you know what? Here's the secret this morning. The prison to your, the door to your invisible prison is not there. It's open. You just have to walk out. Some of you are afraid this morning to walk out of your own prison. What will life outside of prison look like? What would it mean for me to live free, restored, redeemed, to live like a son of God, to live forgiven, to live loved, cherished? What would it look like? Well, I want to tell you what it looks like. Flippin' amazing. Incredible. Joyful, strong, courageous. And when the battles come, you're out of prison. You're free. Freedom. To live redemptively means empowered by His grace, means to live accepted. I am a friend of God. Means to be the beloved sons and daughters, heirs with Christ, and means to be on a mission in His story, history. You know that you're part of His story? See, there's a thin red line that goes right across the, the Old and the New Testament. But the book of Acts hasn't finished yet. We are writing it right now this morning. Did you know that? They might not write about us in the book of history. They might never know your name. But I want to say today that Jesus is writing his story through your story as a continuation of the kingdom of God. How good is that? Amen? Amen. And oh, what's my purpose? What's my destiny? You know what? I am on a mission from God. That's what I'm doing. I live redemptively. I'm full of the power of God and I'm ready for point number three. I'll get there in a minute. I'm full of the Holy Spirit anointing. 
want to say this. I want to make it clear. You and I can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. And it fascinates me. He just captivated this, this idea lately. He's the only one in the Trinity called holy. We know that all the glory goes to Jesus, the Father to the Son, the Son to the, to the Spirit, the Spirit back to Jesus. And it's called the dance of the Trinity in theological terms. But it fascinates me that he's the one called holy, the paraclete, the advocate, the one who convicts you when you're not holy, the one who convicts you when you're going back that way instead of that way, Holy Spirit. We're about to see one of the greatest moves of the Holy Spirit in Australia that we've ever seen. We're about to see a move of revival. It's already started. We are seeing men, women, children from all kinds of religious backgrounds, sexual preferences, tendencies, radically saved on the streets, coming to Jesus, baptized. We have living proof in our church in our church here, of women and men so utterly transformed by the power of restorative grace that they are living as a new creation. They're not looking over their shoulder, they're moving forward. Are you one of them? And the third bit it says in here, in 1 Peter 2, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own position, that you may proclaim the excellencies, the excellencies, oh, I'm tongue-tied. The excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvellous light. I was a sinner, and now I am a son of the living God. But Jesus didn't save you and beam me up, Scotty, to go to heaven. He saved you to be on a mission with Jesus, to proclaim light where there is darkness, healing where there is brokenness, grace where there is legalism. It's called revival, people. Revival, revival, we need to get on board with this. And revival happens at two levels. It is a personal revival that David Conlon reminded us last week, intimacy with Jesus, I want to know Christ. It's about to know Jesus, to know Jesus. Stop, do you know Jesus this morning? Did you know him and walked away? He wants to call you home today. If my dad on the way to a brothel could have an encounter with Jesus, how better for you to have an encounter with Jesus here this morning? He's the same Jesus. My sons are living and walking with Jesus because my dad was radically saved, brought to Christ by my mum at a Billy Graham crusade. Thanks, Billy. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Billy Graham. Led my mum to Christ, led my dad to Christ. And here we are in Melbourne sharing the gospel of Jesus. Do you know him today? See, revival is about knowing him and making him known. It's about Jesus at the center, not you. Hello, good morning. Good. Morning, everybody. Hope none of you need mouth to mouth this morning. Is Jesus at the center of your life? Not what you think he should be. Is he Adonai? Is he the Lord of your life? And this is how you test it. He's the Lord over your money. Your stewardship, your tithes, your offerings. Is he the Lord over your sexuality? Is he the Lord over your anger? Is he the Lord over your gossip? Is he the Lord over your hot temper? Is he the Lord of all the sin that I can list this morning? Is he truly Adonai? And have you buried it at the cross? 
then if you haven't, today is a great day to do that. Personal revival is about part of his family, a royal priest. Did you know you're a priest? You're not just any priest, you're a royal priest because you come from the bloodline of the cross of Jesus where the blood transfusion happened. You are now full of Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. How good is this? A royal priest in the order of Melchizedek, who I really believe was Jesus. That's just my theology. Personal revival is about being full of the Holy Spirit. And you, did you know something? Do you know that we leak? We leak. When you're anger, you leak it out. You're tired, you leak. And we always need to be filled and refilled and refilled and refilled of the Holy Spirit. And filled and refilled and refilled of the Holy Spirit. And refilled. and re- Because we give out. We're tired and exhausted. Oh, I need you. The old hymn, remember that? I need you every hour. Oh, Lord, I need you. Do you need him this morning? As if your last breath depended upon it. My nursing 15 years intensive care, I stood with hundreds of people dying who died. We prayed for the resurrection of many of them. The last breath. I was there when my mum gave her last breath. I missed out by four hours. I'll get there. One day, when, if he doesn't return sooner, Jesus will be there at our last breath. Make sure that you're in the family of God. Make sure you're walking with Jesus. Make sure you're changing the world. Let it be said of Martin and Carrie Ann Stockdale, incredible pastors. They turned Adelaide and the universe upside down. Let it be said of you this morning, visitor. Let it be said of us as an eldership. That eldership, not perfect. They turned Victoria, Australia upside down in the power of the gospel of Jesus because we bought it hook, line and sinker. Had to get a fishing story in there somehow. So there's a personal revival, but it's also corporate revival that we may proclaim the excellencies of Him, all of us, that we may proclaim Jesus, the excellencies of Jesus. There are thousands upon thousands of people who need to hear how good Jesus is, how kind He is. Gabby Conlon right now is in Singapore, uh, will be in Sydney soon, and then New Zealand and whatever, but come on a trip, come, come outside of here, come to Dandenong when we go down there and just simply say, let me tell you about the excellencies of Jesus. I was with a dear friend in a coffee shop yesterday and we were crying together, packed house and in the middle of that, the waitress comes and she looks at us and, and I prophesied about the goodness of the Lord because we can do this and we can do that, but we can do that. The church that Jesus is building is a place of revival. God's called us to be a band of brothers and sisters that turn our world upside down through the power of the Holy Spirit, proclaiming one gospel. It's the gospel of the kingdom. That we are fire starters, light revivalists, that we bring the goodness of the Lord. And then it says this, as living stones, we are to be the foundation of family and society. I believe that. We've lost our voice God's giving you and I a voice again in society. Once again, 
that we dictate what the standard of morality is. Don't let the world dictate it to you. This book does, 66 books. This dictates what my world is, what my finances, is, what I do with my sexuality. He dictates it. He wrote it. It's in the blueprint. In a marriage, I conducted a marriage a couple of weeks ago, and I said, there is a marriage which is a contract, but for us Christians, marriage is a covenant between three people, Jesus, man and woman, to the exclusion of all others. Then I got a rope. Some of you were there. And it's from... Uh, Ecclesiastes, a cord of three cannot be easily broken. He invented marriage, amen? Yeah. I didn't. It's not a contract. If you do this, I'll do this. Sorry, I should point to you. If you do this, then I'll do it. If you don't, stuff you. I'm leaving. No, it's a covenant. I don't like you right now, but Jesus helped me love her. Well, actually, Paul, let me tell you a few things about you. When Jesus, when Jesus is at the center, Revival comes. So there is a plumber in the UK. He died now. In Australia, we would call him Smithy. But his real name was Smith Wigglesworth. Are you ready? This is what he says to you and I. Are you an Aussie? Doesn't matter where you come from. But if you're here today, you're an Aussie. You know, We're all Aussies. Just, I'm a wog. What can I say? Zanardo. Are you ready? This is what he said. Australia. You have been chosen by God for a great move of the Holy Spirit. The move of God will be the greatest move of God ever known in mankind's history and will start towards the end of the 20th century and move more and more intense towards the end of the 21st century. This move of God will start a great revival in Australia, Terra Australis, the great south land of the Holy Spirit will spread throughout the whole world and usher in the second coming of Jesus. This will be the final great revival. That doesn't excite you. You may not have a heart this morning. We have a defibrillator. It's called the Holy Spirit. In conclusion, the church Jesus is building is unstoppable because he is the chief cornerstone. You and I are precious stones being formed into his image. It's a place of repentance, redemption, personal and corporate revival. Together, we as one church, and to be specific, you ready? 2.38 billion Christians formed the church of Jesus. We are not small. We are very, very big. To be a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, a church hungry for revival. Would you please stand and can I have the band up, please? And as they come, I want to do a declaration over you. This was written by a young African man who a week after writing this got killed for his faith. He yearned for revival. He yearned for a blood-washed Africa. And a week after preaching this, they killed him for his faith. In this great last revival, I have no doubt there'll be much opposition. Can I read it to you before we worship? And I invite you to meet Jesus this morning. 
I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped out over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense and my future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colourless dreams, tame vision, mundane talking, poor giving and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognised, praised, regarded or rewarded. I now live by His presence, lean by His faith, love by His patience, lift by prayer and labour by power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few. But Jesus, my God, is reliable, my mission is clear, I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, diluted or delayed. I will not finch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, back up, let up or shut up until I've preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up and stayed up for the cause of my Jesus. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Help me to do this, Lord. Let this be me, Lord. I must go until He returns. Give until I drop, preach until all I know and work until He comes. And when He comes, and when He comes to get His own, He will have no problem to recognise me. No problem. My colours will be clear for I am not ashamed of the Gospel because it is the power for salvation. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.